Everybody who's here. Hey, Andrest. Hey, HS. Hey, Antonio. We'll be getting started in a few. Everybody and welcome, welcome. So let me see if we have our guest here. I think he just jumped out for a second. But uh, give us one second. Let me see if he can get back in. Oh no, I think we lost him again. But yeah, so while he comes, oh, there he is. I see him. He's a speaker. Awesome. So thanks everybody for tuning in to NFTs for Good. We are a weekly Twitter spaces that's all about highlighting the builders and founders in the NFT and Web3 space. We do this at least once every week and you can check out the schedule on our website www.bluestudios.io backslash nfts dash for dash good. And we know there are tons of stories that always come out that talk about some of the not-so-great aspects of DeFi, Web3, crypto, and NFTs. But we believe that if we keep talking about the positive aspects and about how the people behind these projects, companies, and movements are trying to make the world a better place by building utility with Web3 technology, that we can truly elevate the conversation. So with this show and subsequent shows that we do, we'll be highlighting the people and founders that include utility as well as a social good component in what they're building. And we hope that two things can come from this conversation. 
One, we hope that you get to connect with another founder and hear their courageous journey of going from idea to building in public. And you can also be inspired by their stories and know that there are some really good people out here building this new internet. Again, you can check out our upcoming shows and sign up for updates at www.bluestudios.io backslash NFTs dash for dash good. Quick disclaimer that all opinions of guests or hosts may not reflect the views of Blue Studios or its hosts. This Twitter space is for informational purposes only, and none of the opinions of the show by the host or panelists can be considered investment advice. Please do your own research, be safe, and make sure you talk to any security and investment advisors for more information on how NFTs and crypto fit into your collectible and ownership portfolio. As you can see, the show is being recorded, so we can have it on our, our website and other places to promote future shows. And we also have all of our past episodes live on all the major podcasting platforms. Make sure to search for NFTs for Good on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Quick intro before we get an intro from our guest today. Um, I'm Kelly, founder of Blue Studios. We built a community around education, family, and Web3. We believe in redefining what families can do together. I'm a personal believer of this as a third-generation entrepreneur on both sides of my family. I see what happens when families do work together and what can be accomplished. So our mission is to pioneer how families invest, plan, and earn together with technology that's accessible to everyone. And a big part of what we do is coming up with an innovative approach to educating and inspiring families to learn together, but also to onboard more families to Web3 in a very safe way. Super excited to be here today. And a big reason why it's important for us to do this show is to highlight the stories of people just like Z, um, who is behind um, this NFT, Web3, DeFi, crypto, whatever you want to call it. There's a lot of names we can call what everybody does in this space. Um, but what I really love about Web3 is that it's fast-paced. It's 24-7. We've had to work harder and faster than we ever have before. But I always love to slow things down and dig deep with amazing guests like we have here today. Um, I know we're going to dig into um, Z's story, but would love for you to just quickly intro yourself and then we can dig in. Sure thing. Um, so I'm a technical founder and I'm the co-founder for Taco. It is a platform. You could say it's an local platform uh, targeting consumer brands to help get into Web3 without having to deal with Web3 themselves. Awesome. So we're going to we're going to keep expanding on that. So would love to start with the origin story. So would love to hear how you got started in Web3 and what inspired you to go from, hey, I'm interested in this space to I'm dedicating myself 24-7 to making this happen. So original stories are usually pretty interesting. Uh, mine is actually pretty simple. So instead of trying to figure out what we wanted to call the product or the company based on what we did, uh, the idea was to find something that we found interesting a name that was fun, and I picked Taco. Um, I mean, personally, I love tacos. But I think when we were trying to figure out what could be an interesting conversation starter, Taco was like the one thing we thought about because I haven't run into anybody yet who says they hate tacos. So whenever I go to an exhibition or any kind of like meetup, and my name, my badge says, you know, Taco Labs, the first thing they say is, I love tacos. And that starts the conversation out right away. So 
it breaks the ice. They want to know what Taco does. And that's always a fun way to start it. But then also, I wanted a name that was simple, that represented a very simple product. And taco can be deconstructed in so many different ways, but you only need about two or three ingredients to make a pretty good taco. So that's why we picked taco. I love that. I love that story. And so let's also, um, I that was actually going to be one of my questions if you didn't cover it. Where did the name taco come from? But it makes perfect sense. Who doesn't love tacos? Um, and then <laughs> let's talk a little bit about your background. So how did, how did you end up getting into the Web3 space? So Web3, uh, I actually got into crypto in 2012, just messing with it when it was still kind of new. Uh, people were seeing how you could mine crypto, how community pooling worked, how you could block or help block, uh, sorry, help mine a transaction in a block, and then you'd get awarded for the work you did for that mine that you did help with. So that's when I first got into crypto, but then kind of that went away. And it wasn't until August or September of last year when a lot of my friends who were in the e-commerce space started talking about how annoying Web3 is and how annoying NFTs are and they don't see the utility behind it. They just see a whole bunch of people creating images and saying that it looks rare and they were very interested in like the promise of blockchain or promise of sharing the upside with the customers, but nobody was building it. Uh, so being technical for us, it made a lot of sense how you could build something like this, but a lot of my friends who are founders in the e-commerce space or operators they're like yeah but how do i get started like how do i make web3 not so complicated like how do we get rid of the web3 part of this entire kind of product where you get in and yes we want to give back to our customers but why is it so hard so the idea came up like all right well can we build a marketing like product like can we build like hubspot or marketo but have it be web3 like why can't we why can't web3 be that like why does it have to be this crazy deep technical thing where you have to do things that aren't normal for people today and that's how we kind of started thinking about getting into web3 and building it for consumer brands makes a lot of sense so i know um something we chatted about was you have a very extensive background in e-commerce and um so what are some of the biggest challenges that you know, typical or most e-commerce companies face today? And how do you think Web3, NFTs, this this new technology can help solve some of those issues that they're having? Sure. So there's like, I mean, there's a traditional Web2, we'll call them Web2 companies. And then they, you have the non-traditional Web3 companies. And I think what's important to understand is like how they're structured. For a Web3 brand, the product is not really the product. For a Web3 brand, the community is the product and merchandise or product becomes a benefit or something you add on to that community. Whereas for Web2, the product is the product. So there's a, there's a difference in how those models works. Uh, but also for Web2, and maybe even for Web3, it's almost like they have an overlap of similar problems. So they both have a need to get into discovery and distribution. Those are usually the first two things that they need to figure out how to get through. So when you look at like social platforms like TikTok and, or like Facebook, um, those would usually help with discovery. That's where you would go and that's where you would discover brand and then start buying based on that. If you go to a time where TikTok didn't exist and Facebook ads weren't a thing, 
the way you bought stuff was through TV ads. You bought a lot from like referrals. So Web3 changes a lot of how this is done, especially if you're looking from the Web3 lens, you're looking through like how you can build this using community and helping the community come in and help build a product or launch a product or help group buy and things like that and scale that out. So that kind of, kind of goes into the distribution side. But when you look at Web2 on distribution, that really breaks down into repeat sales, into loyalty and how you avoid churn. Like how do you get somebody who came and bought once and how do you have the person come back for the second, third, fourth, fifth time? That's like probably the biggest challenge that exists in traditional commerce uh, that impacts everybody. Uh, and if you flip it on the Web3 side, it's less about buying product, but like how do you have the community come back and still be engaged two months, three months, six months out? So that's how I would lay that out as far as commerce and how they both Web3 and Web2 have similar problems, just different lenses that need to be solved for. Yeah, makes complete sense. Um, so I see that Taco um, has a couple of, or a ton of different integrations. You have Shopify, Clavio, Salesforce. Um, why is building a no-code loyalty solution so important? for the NFT ecosystem and possibly the broader Web3 ecosystem? I think um, Web3 or NFTs are so early. Like I think the comparable to something like this would be if you went, I don't know, 25 years back and you wanted to place an order for something online uh, and you were a brand, it wasn't simple. You couldn't just go online because you wanted to, you'd have to get some kind of shopping cart set up, either OS Commerce and I think, I mean, Shopify came up in 2009, but before that there was like OS Commerce and other like, you know, shopping cart programs. Then you had to get a bank account, you had to get a merchant account, you had to get approved for all of the stuff. There was no Stripe. So when you look through like all the different hurdles you had to get through to get something done, it was a lot of work. Today, if you want to go live with a shopping cart or like a product, you go online, you sign up for Stripe, and you're done. It's like that one-step thing. And it's not that you know Shopify is no code. I mean, there is code involved. You have to get a site set up, and you have to do a whole bunch of stuff. But it's no longer just dev work. It's like you could be a marketer, a non-technical person who has a great idea for a product, and you could launch it. Why can't we have the same thing for Web3? Like, why does it have to be? I mean, third wheel posts a lot of this, like you know, smart contracts and deploying smart contracts and collecting payments, and then connect them to Shopify. Why have all the pain in trying to get five or six systems set up together? Why can't you just have one system that does everything for you? So I think that's kind of what we believe, that there should be one system that if your focus is to be a brand that's selling something and you want to be tied into Web3 infrastructure, it should be as simple as signing up for Shopify. No, that makes a lot of sense. I think sometimes we have like a little bit of amnesia about the early days of like Web 1, Web 2. And now that I think about it, like e-commerce was very hard at some point. I think we're, we're all a little bit spoiled with like Square and, you know, Shopify and just how easy it is to throw something up. And um, I think that having those... Um, thinking about this earlier for web three versus later is um, really beneficial. So those are, those are just some of my uh, thoughts to add to your statement. I agree. I mean, I don't know if you remember, but even setting up email, yeah. you had to basically set up all these things like Clavin didn't exist. There was no MailChimp. 
constant mm-hmm. contact didn't exist. You'd have to go figure out how to set up something called an SMPT server yourself, host it somewhere, get a server for it, not get banned by having an IP address that's shared with somebody else who's spamming people. And then you had to go through all that stuff just to get sent out an email for an auto confirmation. Definitely, definitely. And so I know Taco makes it easy for brands and, and marketers um, to get into Web3. Um, so how do you typically work with brands? And do you have any you know, favorite brands? Or, or actually, all your clients are probably your favorites. But do you have any case study examples uh, that you can share with the audience? Sure. So today we're very hands-on. I think if anybody says that they know exactly what works for 99% of the brands out there, they're lying because I don't think that exists. Um, we, we recently onboarded a, a car wash. So we went with the car wash because it was a very interesting experiment. Like I think when you think through NFTs or Web3, the further you go away from Twitter, the less people actually know what Web3 is or NFTs are. So extreme end of this is a car wash. Like why would anybody at a car wash uh, care about Web3 or NFTs? And, you know, I, I'm being a bit biased here, but even the demographic kind of isn't what you would expect. So when you think through that and you think through, all right, how or why would a car wash even do this? It comes into like gamification and psychology for most people. So what they did was they, they you know, we helped them launch a digital passport program. So they were the first car wash to do something with Web3, but what they actually did wasn't that novel. So what they did was they had 16 locations. They wanted it to become a habit. Because just like any good software subscription or gym subscription, when you stop going, you end up canceling it. So they wanted to make it a habit that you go to the car wash. And they have 16 locations, so they wanted you to go to every new location and experience what that is like. But also traditionally what they've done is they've had these physical air fresheners that they give to you when you go to the car wash. And every location had their own unique kind of stamped uh, location. This is based out in California, San Diego. So you'd go to one car wash, they used to give you a physical air freshener that you'd hold on to, and people loved collecting them. So the first thing they did for this program was like, all right, let's digitize all our 16 air fresheners as tokens. And every time you go to a new location, you earn that token like a badge. And these are you know, proof of attendance, so they aren't transferable. It's like your digital passport where you're going to every single location and collecting one stamp for it. And every time you collected four, you went up one tier. So tier one would give you 30 cents of a gallon, Tier two gave you a plushie. Tier three gave you a vacation in San Diego with like tickets to SeaWorld, uh, lunch. And tier four gave you one year of car washes, unlimited car washes, and also entered you in a drawing to win a 10-year unlimited car wash. So people started playing this game. Um, They found it very exciting. They went to their locations. Um, This started in the beginning of July, and it's, I think, week six now. We've I think we've now airdropped 7,500 NFTs. We've created about 1,400 custodial wallets for these people. Um, so people are playing. They love the game. Um, that's actually one of our most recent brands that I have an example of on how we helped them launch this. And they didn't have anything to do. Like Even for the user, when they're receiving the NFT, they don't have to go sign up for MetaMask. Uh, we let them claim this using a custodial wallet. Or we basically let them airdrop them into their existing wallet. So there's no friction in onboarding for the consumer. There was no friction in onboarding for the brand. We kind of just guided them through the entire process. That's awesome. That's super cool. And then I'm assuming that you also 
or maybe work with a brand on thinking through kind of like that? Because it seems like there's some customer psychology, game theory involved in how you're structuring these loyalty programs to, to make them a little bit more fun and more sophisticated than like the, the typical maybe punch card loyalty program. Yep. I mean, the funny thing is that all this exists. Like none of this is new. The only thing that's new is the, the medium that is being delivered on and what it means as far as is it locked in, is it not locked in? How, is, how do you show that? engagement how do you show your tier status i think that's what's new uh but yes the digital pun cards have existed before the point systems have existed before it's just that the way the consumer now shows them off to their friends and online has changed no definitely definitely and you know for um so i wanted to talk a little bit about like your roadmap for integration so how how do you and your team typically decide on you know, what you're going to put on your roadmap for integrations. So we do have like an overall mission roadmap, which is that we want to be the ecosystem or the wallet that is vertically integrated into commerce. So when it comes to commerce, we want to be the wallet or the app that kind of talks to that very specific vertical. Uh, I mean, you look at MetaMask, MetaMask is horizontal, like they do crypto, they do, you view NFTs, you can transfer, send items, you can receive items, you can view transactions. But our goal is to be very vertically aligned in the commerce space. So that's like our over our, you know, like what we want to focus on. But then we let our customers dictate what comes next. So as we are hands-on with all these customers, they kind of guide us as like, here's what I really need next. And by, you know, building it ourselves, we kind of know how to automate that for the next person. And then we have about four unique case studies now. So the idea is like we, we don't keep going through these iterations and end up maybe with like 10 or 12 case studies. At that point, we'll know pretty much what 80% of the use cases are. And then from there, we maybe can direct like how does the product need to evolve. But right now, we're pretty much customer-led for like how we prioritize what's the product. Awesome, awesome. And I just want to pause for a second and let everybody know. Um, again, thanks for tuning in to NFTs for Good. Um, want to also make sure that everybody in the audience starts thinking through some questions that you might have for Z. Um, you have a top-notch, you know, marketer, tech founder. You know, I could go on and on about um, all of his uh, background and, and capabilities. So if you have a question, start thinking through it. It's, this is your opportunity to get some really good answers. So um, if you want to ask a question um, and not be on stage, uh, just tweet at me or you can DM me directly. Um, or if you want to come on stage, just feel free to request. Oh, so we got Antonio. He's always fast. Let's bring him up. Antonio, feel free to ask your question. Great, great, great. Thanks so much, Kelly. And thank you, Z, for um, coming to the space and, and sharing your your story and um, the process of how you've built Taco. This is really interesting. And um, I'm, I'm, you, you took me back, uh, I'll say, to through memory lane. We were talking about Web 2. It made me think of all the loyalty reward touch points through commerce back in the day. I remember getting, um, you know, magazines uh, on the counters and tabletops of households and at grandma's house, right? Seeing, you know, punch cards and magazines that were sent from Sears and 
um, yeah, how, how to get people to come back and repurchase um, items from four months out, six months out to a year. Uh, we've, we've really come a long way. So, you know, as you were talking about that, I'm just not in my head in agreement um, because it seems like so long ago, um, but we've come a long way. So, um, yeah, I think it's really cool with what you're doing with Taco and um, as you were talking, it, it did raise a couple of questions. I, I, I have two for you here. Um, one, um, you mentioned the car wash, and that was an awesome use case because um, I think it's something that everyone uses, but um, applying the loyalty reward program through Web3 is just um, awesome because I think it, it brings in um, a lot of awareness, not only for the for the company, but uh, for the car wash, but also to the Web3 space. And everything that you were saying seems um, sounds really, really cool. And I was curious to know, how fast can a brand launch their loyalty program with you after um, getting onboarded? What, what's what's the um, time frame of that whole process? And then my other question was, um, based on your insights, what other industries or brands, what, what industries overall um, are getting into the Web3 loyalty program, right? Like, is it retail, consumer goods? Is it financial services and products? Do you see more car washes coming in? Not necessarily just for taco, but overall, um, what industry do you think you see adopting to Web3 loyalty programs the most? Thanks again. No worries. Thank you for those questions. Um, so how fast can a brand onboard through us? And while you were asking the question, I was going to be like, wait, is that before we've decided or spoken about how we're going to gamify it or is it after? So let's assume, you know, we, we've spoken about it. We've kind of come with a game plan on how they're going to actually execute this, what people get out of it, what the utility side of stuff is. Uh, usually for us, that's the same day deployment. Uh, we can get them set up in a couple of hours. Um, smart contract is pretty straightforward. It's really about getting the tokenomics or the gamification kind of captured into the smart con contract configuration and then setting up the background processes. So, for example, if they're on Shopify, are they not on Shopify? So, for example, the car wash, they're not on Shopify. They use Salesforce for emails, and we had to go figure out how to integrate with that. So that was like a new thing for us, but it was actually pretty quick for us to set up. So as long as it isn't something crazy as far as what they're using, uh, we can figure out how to, like, build something around it. So the integration itself takes, or like the custom integration might take a couple of hours, but the actual deployment of like us going live is minutes. Um, then you had another question about other people who, who are getting in. And today we, I looked at the stats. So today we hit, um, I think our app went live in mid-June. I think it was mid-June. So today we hit about 100 installs on our Shopify app. Um, I've spoken to close to, I would I want to say 50 of those stores. I mean, there's some spam in there. There's some junk in there. There's some competitors trying to see what we're doing. There's some people just trying to figure out like, how does the pro product even work? Is it even right for them? But what we're seeing is, um, an interesting mix of people who are trying to get into like NFTs. And this goes back to like what I was talking about, like the distribution discovery. I think for some brands who are not established, who don't have a product market fit on actually what the consumer goods are, they try to sign up for NFTs or they want to give their customers NFTs, but they haven't cracked the code and like why somebody wants to buy the product and why they, why they matter or what lifestyle they belong to. 
and they incorrectly assume that the NFT distribution is going to solve their problem for them. And that is far from the truth. Like an NFT isn't going to save them or isn't going to get them distribution discovery. Distribution discovery needs to be solved first. And then I think launching a loyalty program should only come in once you actually have loyal customers or you think you have loyal customers. That's what's going to test the program. But we are seeing anywhere from fashion brands in LA to cosmetics to even jewelry stores. Again, these aren't like $100 items. These are your $5 chains or like, you know, $3 trinkets. Again, loyalty around a product itself is hard, but loyalty around a lifestyle actually lasts much longer. So for example, you could build a loyalty program around clean eating or, you know, keto or some kind of gamification around like, you know, losing weight or building muscle or, you know, not drinking, things like that. I think you can build loyalty programs around lifestyles and be aligned with lifestyles. But for example, if, you know, if uh, Colgate came in and said, hey, I want to have a loyalty program for my toothpaste, that isn't going to work, right? What will work is if you said, I want to have a loyalty program around a lifestyle of uh, dental health, right? That works. So you have to find out a community that you hook into first, and then you can build loyalty program around it. It becomes less about what you're selling, um, but you can look at the car wash and you can say, all right, you know, car wash is that. 16 location is obviously not a, like a national chain. Could a restaurant that's maybe, you know, spread out around three different states do something similar? Can a brewery that has, you know, five different locations do something similar? Uh, and the answer is yes. Like, I think everybody can come up with some kind of gamification around their brand as long as they have a loyal base and a customer base that actually adores that brand. Because then the question becomes, how do I get upside in this? Even though it's not like the first question that people ask, it is appreci appreciated when you do get something back from a brand when you're le least expecting it. So there's, two, like, there's multiple ways if you can reward customers. The easiest one is giving them something when they haven't even asked for it. I hope that answers some of your questions. Yeah, very much so. And, and even added more insight on top of that. So, um, yeah, that's 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 great. And if I may ask one more, as far as the outreach, the, the jewelry stores, the um, potential breweries, how are you um, reaching out to them? So today we aren't. Right now everything is inbound. Uh, we're a small team. Uh, we're three full-time people. We haven't raised a lot of funding, so we're learning a lot. Uh, and our focus is like maybe let's figure out what the product market fit is before we actually go out and raise a large round. Um, but we are slowly starting to like publish some of our content on a blog, uh, going to try to, you know, retarget that content on LinkedIn, post it out at CEO, try to capture some more interesting thought pieces. And hopefully that brings more brands in. But then we also partner with agencies. So we have a have an agency partnership model where we work with agencies when they bring us their customers, we'll do revenue share with them. That way the agency gets a product that works for them, their customers get happy, and then we get customers we can learn from. Excellent. Thanks for sharing that. And to go back to your analogy about the taco, um, it sounds like you're integrating some awesome layers there. And um, I don't see any complaints or haven't heard any complaints about people not liking tacos. So uh, keep up the great work. Thank you. Yep. Awesome. So, yeah. Love that uh, line that you said around um, building loyalty programs around lifestyle, not just the product that you're selling. I think that gets missed a lot. Um, so thanks for that insight. We have Kilroy uh, come in to the stage and ask your question. Yeah, uh, thanks. Thanks, Kelly. And uh, good day to you, ladies and gentlemen, and, uh, and to our guests. 
uh, yeah, uh, this is a very interesting concept about e-commerce and Web3. And uh, what I'm interested is uh, uh, with regards to uh, customer data, uh, privacy issues, uh, how, how is it handled? Uh, uh, because uh, breach of this data can, can, uh, can uh, lead to some uh, bad consequences. And uh, with regards to that, uh, how is uh, data handled uh, with regards to privacy? Thank you very much. Sure. So the data usually sits in the container that it belongs to. So, for example, Shopify holds the data on customers or in the, like for example, the car wash case, they hold all the data. And especially for their inter integration, we actually did not get any personal data. We only had uh, randomized customer IDs. So when we created custodial wallets for these users, we dropped tokens in their wallets without even knowing who the person is or what their email address actually is or any of that stuff. So when it comes to privacy, we minimize what actually gets sent to us. And because we, we build a lot of integrations, it's actually the platform itself that holds the customer data as a CRM that protects that data. So for example, Shopify has compliance um, certifications they've done. Uh, Salesforce has it. Clayview has, has uh, the same kind of detailed data privacy acts that go in. So we do a lot of stuff that even, for example, when we integrate with these platforms, when we do airdrops, um, we don't send the emails ourselves. We actually use their Klaviyo account or MailChimp account or SendGrid account, and that's the platform that sells, sends it so that we ourselves aren't storing customer data. Thank you very much. And uh, I will be uh, looking forward to, to, uh, to your product. And uh, yeah, I love Taco, man. I love Taco. Thank you very much. Thank you. Love it. Love it. Great idea with the name Taco. It seems to continuously be a hit. So I, I had another question for you. So, you know, what are some of the things that you wish you knew before you got started? So I find that an interesting question. I think that question is usually always misunderstood as a question of regret. But what I'll tell you is, you know, all the stuff we've learned by talking to the customers is stuff that I wish we knew before because it's just knowledge that we would have, I don't know if it would have made things better, but we would have already known what we don't know. So it's not that it would have helped us in any way. Um, I think what we've enjoyed about building a product we've built today is it's customer-led. Uh, a lot of it comes through custom customers. But what it also means is when we speak to customers who come to us and say, oh, I want to launch a loyalty program that gives my customers 5% off. I mean, that's a great request. But without all the context, it's useless. So for example, all right, well, what does the customer need to do to get your NFT? How are you going to give it to them? Are they buying it? Are they getting it as an airdrop? Uh, and is the 5% off one time? Is it off life? What if the code leaks? What we found is like a lot of brands who think they want to do NFTs aren't ready. So when they get hit with these 20 questions that I throw at them, they're like, wait, maybe I'm not ready because I actually don't know the answers to these. And I don't have time to design this. I just have time to go operate my product and go sell what I sell. So I think what would really help here is if we actually had all the knowledge that we needed to build a product so that instead of asking the questions, we just told them like, all right, here's the five things you can do, pick one. I think that's, I think, one thing that if you could skip forward and build, that would save a lot of time and probably pain for some customers. Definitely, definitely. Um, and, you know, what for me, you know, when I switch it up to talk about things from a tech perspective, 
you know, what are some of the challenges of building, you know, these no code solutions primarily for, you know, web two companies to get into web three, you know, and how do you overcome some of those challenges? Sure. So I think maybe the biggest challenge in any kind of like iterative technology is that you have people who are set in their ways, like web one people didn't want to do web two, web two people don't want to do web three. All right. I think there's things are, you know, you're comfortable with doing and humans are, you know, they like habits, the creature of habits. So basically they like doing things the way they want to do. So when we get people who come to us and say, hey, I want to do discounts and bundling, how do I do that? And we're like, well, we don't really know what that means in like the Web3 world. Like we know how you do it in Web2. Like, yeah, you go into like Shopify or whatever program you're using and you'd create a product bundle. And then they'd be like, well, I want them to be able to get the bundle, but then also get the discount. But then also if they have the NFT, they get a 5% extra discount. So what they end up doing is they start taking like stuff that works very well in Web2 and trying to shove it into Web3. But with Web3, you kind of have to go backwards and be like, all right, let's start from what happens when somebody has an NFT? Like, what is the utility? Let's start from there versus what you're stuck with already, which is your Web2 stuff. So I think that's where it gets tricky because if you speak to 100 different brands, you'll end up with 102 different ways because some people actually don't even know what they want. They want A and B. So you end up with more ways of how they actually want the product to work. And it gets hard to build a product that does everything for everyone. So you have to like start deciding what should a Web3 product look like for Web2 people. And you almost have to be the subject matter expert for it. And I think that's where it becomes challenging. It's like deciding like what should be done and how you would shape the future or shape the product without having any anybody else leading those discussions because in this case you end up being the subject matter expert versus the customer who's asking you how do i do this so i think overcoming this um this is where you know we get those two different brands we get brands who know what they want it versus brands who don't have any time for this i think the way you overcome it with this is you start optimizing for brands who want to partner with you versus brands who want to be your customer I think, yes, at the end of the day, everyone can be your customer, but you kind of need to be careful about brands who want to partner with you because when they partner with you, they know they're going to work with you on this. So they're going to spend a few hours on it with you, try to help you guide through the product and actually end up building a product that you both get something out of. Whereas, you know, somebody wanting to be just a customer, and there's nothing wrong with it. That's just a very transactional model. Like they want to give you money. They want a product that works. They don't have time for all your BS. Whereas a partner is going to be like, all right, I get, yeah, I know the product isn't there. I know the tech isn't there. I know you haven't figured it out. And actually, no one's figured it out. But I really want this and I want to be like, I want to hack on this with you. So I think looking for partners over customers at this early stage is really helpful. Now, that's a great way to define, um, you know, a different type of customer, like a partner versus a customer where, you know, I think those are always like the best customer relationships where it's like mutually beneficial and we're both getting something out of it. We're both working together and we feel like, like you said, it's not just a transaction, but hey, we you actually want to work on solving the problem with each other. So yeah, that makes complete sense. Thank you. And so I know a lot of people um, and maybe some folks who are listening in today either want to work in Web3 or maybe they're thinking about starting something in Web3, but they're not sure where to start or they, they don't think they have any relevant skills. Um, what would you say to those folks? Sure. I mean, I can speak from my experience. So I'm a hands-on learner. I learn better when I actually dive deep in and understand how something works. So for people who are interested in Web3 and either don't know what it is or where to start, 
I think the best way to get into Web3 is by focusing less on the Web3 part of the tech side, but actually going in and thinking through like, what is the usability and utility behind Web3? And I think that's where you start thinking through like, all right, how would brands use this? How would, you know, hospitals use this? How would healthcare use this? And you start thinking through like all these different phases of like how it'd be used. Like I remember early in like 2013, 14, but like, you know, crypto was interesting. The first question, like, all right, how would I use this? And people would be like, well, there's a ledger, it's blockchain. And like, well, why do I care about this? Well, you know, you can make sure that all your parts and your supplier stuff is audited and you know exactly where everything came from. Like, all right, who's building it? Well, no one's building it, but you could build it. And then you start thinking like, well, what's the point of this? Like, no one's ever going to build it. But I think if you can get to a point where you believe in something and you're like, wait, this is what the future should be like. And here's what it should be. You almost start doing a PhD in it. Like you start coming with a hypothesis, you start validating and you understand for yourself, like how should this world work versus other people telling you how this should work. Like again, Web3 itself, is actually not that complicated. It's infrastructure, there's a blockchain, it's a public ledger, it's publicly verifiable, anybody can read it. Uh, some people can write to it. And that's really all Web3 is. And I think really, I think the future of Web3 is gonna be in the background. It's not gonna be about Web3, it's gonna be about what you build on top of Web3 and people won't care if it's Web3 or not. It's really what is the utility, what is the benefit, what do I get out of it, what do you get out of it, and what it unlocks. So I think the faster you get into that mindset, the more you can actually unlock what Web3 means for you or for the world itself. Great advice, excellent advice. Um, so kind of expanding on your last thought there, where do you see the broader role of you know crypto, NFTs, Web3, and their impact and where would you like to see it go sure i think i think maybe this plays on what i just said i think i think at the end of the at the end of the day web3 itself and even if nfts they go to the background like i think mass consumers won't care if it's web3 i think what they'll care about is what it means to them i think when we talk about you know sharing and the upside of ownership and the tradability and you know, not having it be locked to a certain platform and owning your own data, I think that's really how people will, you know, talk about Web three and NFTs. Uh, crypto as a currency, it's it's useful, uh, especially in countries or environments where you have you know insane amount of corruption. There's you know policies and things like that that you can't get around, and it's not that those policies exist because of you know of a benefit to people. They actually exist because there's hyper control and corruption. So I think when you look through like countries where uh well i mean what we can do is we can look at a second world terrible country that's trying to do online shopping right uh we go back to the same 25 year old example like for example in the u.s it's pretty easy to get stripe you're set up but this country is in the world where you can't get stripe like you're not eligible to use stripe uh you can't get a bank account you can't do a whole bunch of stuff so in that case with web3 you could build a store purely on web3 you could do transaction purely in crypto uh you don't need a bank you have a wallet. It's your own wallet. Um, you kind of control the entire thing. Like, yes, I think today a product doesn't exist. Like, like there isn't really a, a Shopify Web3 that exists, which is like Shopify, but purely Web3. I think Shopify is trying to become a Web3 product, but they have to straddle both worlds. They have to like still cater to people who use email and phone number and you know mailing addresses to sign up. Whereas with Web3, it's all about like, all right, well, I'm going to pay for this. Here's the money. Why do I have to give you my email address? Right. I don't need to give you know, that stuff. So I think, and you can use proxy mailing addresses and things like that. So I think that's where the world's headed with crypto and 
digitization of tokens. I think that's really what it is, just propelling further into the paper boarding pass becoming completely digital on your phone. I just think that's the future is just digitization of what we already do. Great, great, great uh, way to to frame, you know, what it is and also what it could be um, or, or will be soon. Um, so we'll always love to see if we can get any new alpha. Um, so is there any new alpha that you have or something new that's on your roadmap that you can tease today? What's coming next for Taco? Sure. So um, a couple of months ago, we released token gated products where you could take a product. You could say a token is required for you to be able to buy it. Today, we released token gated discount codes, which is if you hold a token, you can get a 5% off, 10% off, whatever it is. Where we actually want to end up in the next month or so is this entire like loyalty infrastructure and something that you know is called permissionless collaboration. So if you look at like how people used to collaborate, you know, five years ago, even today, you have to find an artist, you have to find a community, you have to get permission. Can you target them and somebody has the gate and the keys to it and say, no, you can't email my customers because they're my customers or you know, it's my audience or they're my fans, you can't do it. But what I could do is I could go open up a Shopify store today that sells banana bread. And what I could do is I could airdrop a token to every board ape holder and be like, here's a token that gives you 50% off my banana bread because board apes, you know, they love banana bread. And I don't need anyone's permission for that, right? I can give that token to anybody. And as long as they figure out how to get to my store, I can advertise on that. I can do targeted ads on LinkedIn. I can do targeted ads on OpenSea. I can just target people who have a token, which is a board ape, and they get 40% off. And I can bring the customers to myself without having to like rely on somebody giving me permission. That so I think permission collaboration is like the biggest thing we're working on, and our goal for releasing that is in the next few weeks. Uh, so not this month, but next month we should have permission permissionless collaboration now, which lets you target any community, drop airdrop tokens, and have those discounts unlock when they show up to your store. So I think that's really what we're going to build on release next. That's super cool. Um, super cool solution. So everybody hears that. So we have already token gated product um, solution, token gated discount. So if anybody you know is using Shopify or you have a friend who has a Shopify store or e-commerce store and they want to hurt and they want to get into the Web3 space, this is a great way to do it. Great and easy way. So finally, um, you know, I always love to end with an ask. So how can the audience support you? I think you just shared that. I think uh, referrals, we love referrals. Um, if you think or know anyone who would be a great member for NFT loyalty or they were experimenting with NFTs as a consumer brand, we'd love an intro. Uh, that's really where we can help and partner with those brands. Awesome. I actually think I, I might have an intro for you. Um, so <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, no problem. I, I have... Uh, somebody who came to mind. Um, so yeah, um, let me know if anybody else has any questions, um, feel free to, to let us know. Um, but this has been like a really, really great conversation. Um, I'm excited about what you're building. It's such a great solution and it has so much utility and helping people and or helping marketers, helping brands, even helping agencies get their customers into the space in such a easy, clear way that has so much utility, you know, today, you know, I think sometimes a lot of what's being built in Web3 kind of is 
being built for utility for the future, but this is such a great case study of just like, how can Web3 help people today and help connect and build like more communities around brands, which is what the, what a lot of people argue NFTs should have been doing, you know, for a long time. So you're doing just that. Thank you. No problem. So yeah, thanks everybody for tuning in today. Um, so we are NFTs for good. Again, we're a weekly Twitter spaces that's all about highlighting the builders and founders in the NFT Web3 space. We do this at least once every week. And you can check out the schedule on our website at www.bluestudios.io backslash NFTs dash for dash good. And also remember that you can listen to all of our podcasts or to all of our Twitter spaces later. So, you know, for long after, you know, the link expires on Twitter, um, you can actually listen into all these great builders, founders, and uh, move, movers and shakers in the space. So search for NFTs for good on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Um, next week, we're actually going to be having um, women in fitness come on we're going to be talking about talking about how web3 tech can drive healthy habits in real life um, and then after that we're actually doing a one-on-one show so we're going back to the basics and we have um, a great guest on um, who works in the nft space as well and we're going to talk about what exactly is an nft i think sometimes we talk about all these acronyms and all these tools um, but for anybody you know who might need a one-on-one primer or just like a refresher um, we're going to just talk about what exactly is an nft what what its utility is and um you know you can ask all those um you know everybody always says there's never a dumb question but you can ask all those dumb questions that you feel uh, that you might not feel comfortable asking in like a discord, for example. So um, those are some exciting things. And we have a bunch of other folks down the pike and just want to thank Z again for coming. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no, I know you're busy. Um, so, you know, really appreciate you tuning in. So thanks everybody for coming and I will see everybody either on Twitter or next week. Bye everybody.